Welcome to Sinner's Take, another Catholic guy's podcast of which we are the worst. I'm Cody. I'm Alec. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, so today we're talking about the reality of our sainthood. What does that mean? What do we mean by that? What does what mean? Sainthood? Yeah. Let's talk about it. Let's define our terms. So when we say sainthood, we may have all heard of this thing called the universal call to holiness, right? If you uh, have had any part in, uh, you know, any faith at all, I guess you've probably heard that. And I think when I hear it, at least it sounds a little stale, Uh, you know, the universal call to holiness. Like when I hear that, I don't feel convicted of holiness i don't i don't really feel like it it even pertains to me right all the universal call to holiness what does that even mean well it means that you listener and me and alec are called to sainthood it means that you listener and me and alec are called in a particular and personal way to give our lives in service of jesus christ we right? You, right? I'm going to keep saying you because I need you to understand and I need myself to understand when I listen back to this, that I and you in a personal way are called to perfection. You know, that sounds like a lot and it's meant to. We're called to a lot. The universal call to holiness is not meant to be something that is stale or bland or cookie cutter. You know, it's not some mold that we're being tried, that we're trying to all like fix ourselves into. It's well, I guess it is if the mold is Jesus Christ, right? But that, that mold is specified for each person and, and perfection is specified for each person. So you, right now, he's pointing at in you. this moment, I'm pointing at you. <laughs> there is a call to you right now to be transformed in a way that you, you won't even recognize yourself, no matter how far along you are, right, in, in this spiritual journey, right, right now you are being called to transformation in Jesus Christ. Because there is, there is a tendency with the universal call to holiness to think of it as like this mass email that gets sent that no one replies to, right? You know those emails that come out at work. Um, it's like every email. Yeah, it's <laughs> true. Uh, but it, it's not that, right? It, it is a call to us specifically. As you're saying that, it just makes me think of, right, how Jesus did not die for everyone. He died for each one. And recognizing how infinitely he values us and his love for us and what he wants us and created us to be specifically, not this generic thing. Yeah, I mean, we'll probably repeat this a bunch of times throughout the episode because it is such a different mindset, like a shift in this general call versus me. He's looking me in the eyes and saying this. I... um. I forget the exact name of it, but it's where, you know, when a general call goes out uh, or you see a situation and you just think, ah, someone else is going to take care of that. Bystander effect. There it is. The bystander effect. You think, you hear this general call to holiness and maybe you just think that's for someone else or, or maybe you don't even think anything of it at all, right? You just think like, okay, that's a really nice thing for you to have said. (laughs) Um, 
you know, obviously you're going to say that because you're a priest or obviously you're going to say that because you're like in a position of speaking to a general audience about holiness. Like, uh, you know, it's just, but no, personal call to holiness is the universal call to holiness. They're one and the same. So in the same way, the action should be taken right now. I'm going to start moving towards this. If you want to look to scripture for an idea of where this comes from, one of the things that we uh, were talking about was John 14, 12. And it says, Amen, amen, I say to you, whoever believes in me will do the works that I do and will do greater ones than these because I am going to the Father. So right there, Jesus is saying, all the things that I have done, you will do greater than these. I, he, I haven't done anything greater than healing a leper or anything like that but right we're called to greatness we are called to greatness and and here's the thing is i you know maybe it's just that we put it off and we don't really think about it or maybe it's that when we think about it we can kind of get in this mindset of that can't be for me maybe at one time there was a universal call to holiness maybe at one time I was meant to be something more than what I am, but it, I mean, it can't be true anymore, right? It, 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 for where I am at right now, if I took a good, honest look at myself, uh, th- it just can't be true, right? Yeah, which we know isn't true, right? N- no one, no one is too far gone. I mean, look at the past of Augustine. Look at the past of Saint Paul, and to the point of Saint Paul. If we read, I'm going to bring up another Bible verse. <laughs> Two in a row. Two in a row. <laughs> um, First Timothy, really, it's chapter 1, 13 through 16, but I'm going to abbreviate it a little bit. Just do 15 uh, for the attention sake. And now I'm taking up the time that could have been spent on the rest of the verses. <laughs> uh, so First Timothy 1, 15. The saying is trustworthy and, de- and deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Of these, I am the foremost. So if St. Paul can be saved and he's the worst of us all we're gonna be okay we we are not too far gone and that feeling of i'm not enough or i can't be or he couldn't possibly forgive me or i don't have the stuff to become that we have examples to look at of that's not the case there there is no hole too deep that he can't get us out of and so now that you've heard that i hate to say it no i don't this is for your good you no longer have that excuse to lean on right because we told you (laughs) no because we have all these examples of people that have been in way worse situations i mean paul himself literally murdered christians right saint augustine had illegitimate children right had a concubine St. Francis uh, was kind of a kind of a playa, you know. I mean, they told us stories at Franciscan all the time of, you know, he when he would walk down the street, parents would like kind of pull their daughters off to the side because they were afraid he was going to like flirt with them or, or you know try something. No um, Saint Ignatius used to go around like I mean it was it was more common practice back then, but like dueling people to the death right with a sword. I mean, you could think you could think of all these examples of, of and. You know, there are far more than I can give of people that have been in probably worse situations than you're in, right? That have 
attained sainthood, right? Have attained this kind of human perfection in Jesus Christ. So, unfortunately, you you can't make the excuse that, you know, oh, man, but, like, I'm just too far gone. Yeah. You know, oh, man, like, couldn't be for me because <laughs> it, it couldn't possibly have been for them, but it was. Uh, so it is for you as well, right? And that, that I, I hope that doesn't sound harsh because it's meant to be a really joyful thing, right? Like, hey, guess what? You could do it. Now, maybe it feels a little bit annoying to have to accept that, oh, man, I can't just slack off anymore. Yeah. You know, I, or at least it's annoying to hear, even if you're not going to heed it, right? It's, it's annoying to know that that's out there when you don't really want it. Because I think that's something that keeps us from holiness as well, right? Uh, it would be apathy. I, little known fact about me, I drove Uber for one night. <laughs> uh, three rides and the last group that I drove was this group of kids uh, that I picked up skateboarding outside of a McDonald's at 11 o'clock at night <laughs> very weird uh, I was driving them home and just in the brief conversation that I had with this kid you know, he said oh what I want to do with my life is I just want to have a lot of fun and then die at like 25, 26 right? like that, I'm okay with that I, I don't think you are, you know, <laughs> you can say you're okay with it and it, because it's easy. It's much easier to be apathetic towards this than to actually take seriously that uh, I could be more than what I am, that you could be more than what you are is, is it costs something to accept that reality. And it's frustrating yeah. because you're going to have, you have to face your failure because we're called to perfection and we're imperfect. Mm -hmm. Those it's hard to realize how those two things coexist, but it's the same like if you've struggled with a sin that keeps coming back and you feel like you're not getting anywhere, that's that's the path to sainthood. Like, struggle with it. It's gonna suck. You're going to fail. But that's part of it, right? I mean, those saints that we mentioned, they didn't become perfect. They became better. And that, that's what he wants for us. At this point, you know, We've named apathy as one thing that could keep us from sainthood. You know, we've already said that uh, my my not being enough or my my sinfulness being kind of in the way. I think we could maybe name that as as shame. And I think we had talked about it a little bit in another episode that we had done as like kind of a meditation on the first chapter of Genesis, second second chapter of Genesis. It comes and you think like, oh man, I'm not worthy of it. I'm not worthy of it. Like my sin is too much. I, I'm too entrenched in this. I'm too like enmeshed in vice. And even that thought, unfortunately, again, I hate, I hate to tell you because now you're not ignorant of it, is, is pride, right? Because essentially what you were saying is my sin in a particular way is too big for God. It's just not, right? Like... It, <laughs> You are not powerful enough to sin so hard <laughs> that Jesus Christ cannot love you through it. Um, which is a really, again, it's a dangerous thing to admit because it costs something of you to accept, oh man, I, I can't use that as an excuse anymore. But it's also a really beautiful thing. And again, this is where the joy comes in. It's just that you aren't, you aren't that, that powerful. Like you aren't that much of a sinner 
not to minimize your sin. Like we don't want to just discount sin, but like to really glorify his love for us is beyond that. We can do a whole episode on sin and you'd hate it because <laughs> <laughs> sin sucks. Yeah. But yeah, I think it's exactly right that it, it kind of just puts into perspective like how little it could mean if we're willing to surrender to Jesus. And before we go on, I had two other thoughts that we kind of went past that I wanted to mention. Uh, the first one is from that first Timothy, the next verse talking about being an example, he says it right there. But for that reason, I was mercifully treated so that in me as the foremost, Christ Jesus might display all his patience as an example for those who would come to believe in him for everlasting life. So he says right there, like, I am, I am the example, the way he treated me, his patience, his love. He intended me to be an example for you is how I'm reading that. And the second thing that I'm thinking of is a callback to one of our first episodes of the, the Peter versus Judas. And the reason that we don't have St. Judas is likely exactly that, right? He didn't understand that he could have been forgiven. Even his own betrayal was not, did not put him beyond God's love. And if we let that love in, that's the only hurdle preventing it. So I would say, kind of similar to this, maybe revisit that Peter versus Judas episode if you're thinking you're too far gone. Those would be my two notes. Transitioning now to, I think Carlo sent you a quote, right? He did. Bless his heart. Where but we're it? not going to give him credit for it. <laughs> I wrote this. <laughs> uh, yes, Carlo did send me a quote, and it is from St. Bernard of Clairvaux, who is a doctor of the church with regards to the spiritual life. So there are only seven of them. <laughs> uh, so he's pretty smart. And he says, Every soul... I say, standing thus under condemnation and without hope, has the power to turn, and find it can not only breathe the fresh air of the hope of pardon and mercy, but also dare to aspire to the nuptials of the word, not fearing to enter into alliance with God, or to bear the sweet yoke of love with the king of angels. Which is sick. <laughs> it just, it's just reiterating the same point that, you know, you know, we said first um, <laughs> that it literally, it just doesn't matter how, how far gone you think you are. It doesn't matter uh, how enmeshed or entrenched in sin you think you are, or even how apathetic you are to holiness, to this call to holiness. Cause again, maybe you just feel like you don't care about it at all, right? Like you, you would really rather it just be for other people because you because you know you don't want to have to deal with it or you you feel like you like the way that your life is being lived currently and you don't want to endanger that i think the second part of the quote gets to what it's worth endangering that for right because the call does require something of us it does ask us to change and to be transformed uh in a way that we are just straight up not capable of by ourselves. So it asks what seems to be impossible, but what 
the call promises, I think also we would call impossible. Like we wouldn't dare to hope uh, that we could be perfect, right? We wouldn't dare to hope that we could love in a way that would transform someone's life, right? We couldn't dare to hope that, you know, the consolation that came from prayer or came from relationship with the Lord would be better than anything that we had tasted in this life. Up to, like we, we, you just wouldn't dare to hope for that, but it's promised and it, it's a part of this call. I think the other trap that we might fall in is not thinking we're too far gone, but thinking we're not that bad, <laughs> right? Like, uh, I can't be perfect. I'm so far gone. But what about I'm close enough to perfect, so I'm good where I'm at, right? That's that's kind of the flip side of this call is it's not enough, right? Because we are called to perfection, and it is a frustrating thing, but it's in the trying. Don't be complacent with like, I only sin a little bit, so like that's pretty good. Uh, you know? <laughs> um, and so it reminds me of a quote from St. Teresa of Avila. And she says, in the way of perfection, that's a book by her. She says, God deliver us from saying we are not angels or we are not saints whenever we commit some imperfection. We may not be, but what a good thing it is for us to reflect that we can be if we will only try and if God gives us his hand. Do not be afraid that he will fail to do his part if we do not fail to do ours. I really like the beginning of that quote. She said, like, exactly what you're saying. You know, you commit some little imperfection and you're just like, well, I'm not perfect. You know, well, I'm no saint. I'm only human, right? Sorry, pal, but <laughs> like you could be perfect, right? Like you could be a saint. You could be more than what you are. And I, I actually, there was um parish mission at the parish I used to work at. And the priest that gave it said this, said this thing. It was so beautiful. He said, you know, we tend to use that phrase like, oh, I'm only human as a way of kind of making up for some imperfection or, or brushing something under the rug, like, oh, I screwed up, but, you know, I'm only human. You know, what we could be saying is you see some great act of virtue, right? Like you like you see the the guy who, who I mean, the, the example that's coming to mind is, is the guy that talks someone down when they're on the edge, right? Somebody that, like, jumps in front of the truck to, like, put, push someone out of the way. Right. And to look at them and say, that guy's human. Right. Like that's that level of love and like heroism is what you are capable of. Right. And what so that's what you should be saying, like, oh, that guy's human. Right. Not like, oh, he's only human. You know, (laughs) there's a comedian who has a similar bit about it's a free country. Like people only say it's a free country when they're doing something mean. No one's like (laughs) you're holding the door open for someone. And they're like, oh, it's a free country. Yeah. (laughs) Do what I want. I don't remember who it was. But, uh, yeah. yeah, that's that's that is interesting. And yeah. what what is it that separates us from the animals? Like what it what is this the beautiful aspect of humanity? That actually was in the homily today. He talked about the things the the four things that make us human, and it's that it's the truth, beauty, goodness, and family is what he was talking about. So, that, you know, that's the first half of the quote. And I feel like at this point, we've kind of sufficiently covered that, right? Maybe you're really pissed off at us for having taken away all of your excuses for not being a saint right now. 
no, not right now, but just in the future, <laughs> you know, we, we've, I think we've covered what keeps us in a, in a mindset of that's not for me, or I don't want that, or, you know, what, like what's going to hold us back from actually going after it. I think the second part is what I'd really like to focus on right now is just with the call, a comes the promise of, of that perfect, you know, he doesn't, he wouldn't call you to something that was impossible, right? When, when he says in um, the gospel of Matthew, you know, be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. He wouldn't, I don't think he's shying away from, he's not like, ah, you know, get as close as you feel like (laughs) it's, it's, you know, he says what he means, but when he says that he obviously wouldn't say it and then hold you to a standard that he would, he, you know, you could never attain. I don't think that's who he is. At least that's not who I found him to be. And so, you know, with the call comes the promise of the aid to do it, right? You know, when we surrender ourselves to him, it's not, you know, it's it's like she says in the last part of that quote, you know, do not be afraid that he's going to do his part, right? As long as we do not fail to do ours. So, you know, we'll get into practicals of what we think is the best way to get there. I'm just kidding. What what we've read and have like kind of condensed. So we've did we've done all the reading for you. Uh, survey of the saints, and they, you know, this is this is the information that we'll be presenting you. But you know, before we get there, just to like talk about the flip side of this mindset, right? We already talked about. Oh man, like I don't think I'm gonna make it. But let's say that I am doing everything. We can have confidence that we will. You know, I really love Saint Therese of Lisieux a lot, a lot. And there's a story about her uh, from her time in the convent. And she used to clip her fingernails and save them in a jar, right? And it's disgusting. It's just straight up so <laughs> gross. Uh, and when asked about it, she said, well, you know, I got to save them because they're going to be relics one day. What? <laughs> How could you? And that, you know, that, that should be the reaction. How could you possibly say that, right? A, super weird that you're thinking about that. <laughs> B, like how how bold of yeah. you to assume that God is going to put you in that place, right? You know, who do you think you are? And I would, you know, this is more extrapolation, but I imagine her response would have been, well, who do you think you are to tell me or to tell God that I'm not going to get to that place, right? You know, it's a weird example, but it's what living from this confidence, I think, would look like is just kind of expecting that it's going to happen. And now that expectation comes with, you know, we're doing our part. Like Teresa of Avila says, there is the flip side of the coin. You know, God is willing, is right there willing to do so much, but he's not a tyrant. He's not going to impose himself or holiness on you if you aren't, if you don't want it, right? Which is crazy because he knows how good it is for you, but he won't impose it if you don't want it. But what if you do want it, right? What if you are living from this place of like, man, like I'm, I'm going all out, right? Full court press into relationship with the Lord. Um, 
you know, you can expect that he's going to bring you there. Because that, that, that's what the universal call to holiness means, right? Like, he call, he, he's inviting you, and he's going to help you get to this place, and he wants you there. Because that, you know, you don't call someone to something that you don't actually want them to do. There's somewhere you don't want them to be. But yeah, so this confidence, right? Living from this confidence, living from this place. But like, I, like we had said, like the saints have said, Right, and I'm only repeating them. So when I said, almost said what I said, don't think of that as Cody's really smart, because he's not. Um, but if we're li- like, you know, if we're living in this confidence, right, it ought to be backed up by, I'm striving after this, and you know, it looks different for every person. But uh, I think from what I've been reading, right it can basically be boiled down to three things, four things. I'm going to add a fourth. How bold of me, right? I think that, I think the fourth one, right, that I'm adding would be prayer, right? I think that's kind of just assumed, which is why it's not really like said as like the practical thing to be doing, because it's just kind of assumed that if you want to be holy and if you want to be transformed into the person of Jesus Christ, you're going to want to know him, right? You're going to want to converse and discourse and uh, just spend time in his presence, right? So we're, we're accepting that you're doing that. We're just going to operate now on the assumption that you're a regular listener and you've heard everything else we had to say on prayer. I think the other three things, though, would be um, love, humility, and detachment from worldly things, right, or things of the world in a healthy way, right? Right? Actually, we were going to quote Avatar The Last Airbender, and I'm going to quote it now again. Fine. Um, where, uh, oh, I, a different quote? Yeah, a different quote. I am not a proponent of the chakras, right? But in that show, they're like he's going through like this spiritual exercise of working through all of this past, uh, like all the muck in his life, all this past garbage that's kind of been brought in, you know. And for him, it's more of like. <laughs> getting to the avatar state um but at the last stage is detachment from worldly things right um there's a ton of wisdom in that show so i'm i think it's really beautiful that they've come to this point and that it's like put into a children's show is like detachment from the world it's so good but he get you know he gets to a point and the the guru or whatever is walking him through like now think of all the things that you're attached to in this world and you know he like like comes to mind like all the things that he holds on to, and the guru is like, okay, I let him go. Uh, and he and he's like, what? <laughs> like four chakras ago, that was a good thing, right? <laughs> to like hold on to stuff and have attachments. So that's where having the Catholic intellectual tradition I think is really beautiful because we can distinguish between what is the holy level of attachment to things, right? Where can we walk that line between? loving and giving of ourselves to people but also not clinging to them or things right so love humility detachment from things yeah so i mean what what would your thoughts be on like practical things yeah in terms well, of i'm gonna toss that avatar quote uh in response to pride yeah for those of you who don't know avatar the last airbender was uh animated show on nickelodeon three seasons it's very good 
very good. Um, it, it just it was just put on Netflix, and it's been on the top ten of Netflix like ever since it got put out a couple yeah. weeks ago. So. Deservedly so. Very Deservedly. good. So, <laughs> one of the quotes from that show is, "Pride is not the opposite of shame, but its source. True humility is the only antidote to shame." So, I'm thinking back to the quote you said of Teresa's nails. Um, <laughs> where they were, she was perceived as really prideful and almost arrogant, and she was maybe being shamed for it, but it's that humility of, I know what God has made me to be. I know where I am, and I know where he is and where he wants to get me. And so that humility is what allows her to do something like that without it being, because if I did that right now, it would be pride. I just, I, I know it in my heart. <laughs> Uh, but having that humility is, um, what allows something like that to happen rightfully. Rightfully. Yeah. And then to your point of love, I'm thinking practically a big thing I talk about with my brother a lot is the idea of service and how, how are you being of service to show your love and, <laughs> So as I was, we were trying to come up with some examples of it, and one of them that I like for love is when we go golfing. I have now been golfing twice with Cody, and both times he has offered to bring me. I'm not a morning person, so I don't want to get up extra early to go and get food, but he goes and gets food, and he has offered to bring me food both times, two for two now. And now that I've said it, now he has to do it every other every time, time we go golfing. Uh, but... He does. He offers to bring me food. And I'm thinking about how out of his way he has to go to do something like that. To one, know me that I don't want to get up early. Two, to be willing to bring it. And then three, to not expect something in return, but to do it out of love for me. And it's, it's a small thing, right? But not to me. Like I, It really meant a lot to me. And I know that there are a lot of things in our life that we can do that don't have to be big. It can be those little things. Even, and on the flip side of that, like if he brought me the wrong donut, instead of being like, well, this isn't what I asked for, Cody, just saying like, thank you. Thank you for going out of your way for this is a way that I can love him in return. So thanks, Cody. <laughs> I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I think I think what you're striking on is really the heart of of what the universal call to holiness looks like in each of our lives. As a Mother Teresa quote, you know, we're not, you know, not all of us can do great things, but we can all do little things with great love. And it's a, it's the same story that Teresa Lazoo preached. It's, um, I think it's, it's really good for our, our modern world, right? Because there are so many people that are put up on a pedestal and there are so many people that you look at, like even, maybe you want to say like celebrities or like people that are put in the news for like, look at this guy. He like, you know, started his own charity guy donates like millions of dollars to, you know, this foundation, this guy's changing lives. He's doing that. I couldn't do that because I don't have money to do it, but also because if I did it, uh, who would care? Right? Like not all of us are called to do something like, Whoa, that's just so crazy in a way of action. Right. To become a saint would be crazy and we're all called to that. So I don't want to contradict myself, but in the way of like public action, we're not all called to do something great. But what 
what the way that we can affect like i guess greatness in our action is just by doing like the little things very well right so like i guess a practical thing to do if you're thinking i really want to like accept this universal call to holiness i don't know where to start would be think of one teeny tiny teeny tiny little action right that you can slightly inconvenience yourself for um for the sake of someone else you know could i get up a little early to get someone food could i get up a little early uh and make my sister coffee right you know could i could i step out of my way a little bit and i think it's better if it's planned too at least for me personally because if it's not planned i just forget to do it or i'll say like i'm gonna do one nice thing today and then i never like think to do something nice for someone else because i suck (laughs) um yeah so i think it's better if it's planned if we if we can sit down like the night before the morning of and just think what's one thing i can do today that's going to like slightly inconvenience me and i'm not going to expect any return on this investment i'm just i'm going to do it just to give just to love just to grow in this self-sacrificial love because eventually it'll just become second nature i think and uh then you know when these great moments are thrust upon you if they should be thrust upon you you know you have this practice of of giving of yourself uh and i think something that goes along with that you know it kind of ties the love and humility together and I, Teresa of avila says these things don't ever exist apart from e- each other right love and humility so if you are truly loving you are being humble and if you are being humble you are truly loving so I think something that goes along with these small acts of sacrifice or these small acts of love would be kind of the obedience or maybe even just the the humility that goes along with it. When we say don't expect any return on this investment, that like don't even expect a thank you, right? Or expect literally the exact opposite of what you would expect, <laughs> right? Like for example, if you're doing like dishes at home, right? Or you're doing some chore at home and you know, while you're doing the chore, the person that you're doing the chore for comes up and corrects you on how you're doing it, right? I that That is, I think, quite simply the most frustrating thing <laughs> potentially in the world. Um, is, is like, okay, like I planned out my act of love for the day. I'm going to go. I'm going to, you know, do this really nice thing for this person. And then they just kind of throw it back in your face like... <laughs> Uh, actually, I would have preferred that you did it this way. <laughs> oh, man. And it's always something small, right? It's always something that really doesn't matter, but it feels like it matters yeah. <laughs> so much. So having the obedience and the humility to just expect that like these acts of love are not always going to be accepted in the way that you want them to be. Uh, they're not always going to glorify you, and they shouldn't, right? The self-glorification is not the reward that we should be expecting. And if it is, uh, you know, Jesus says, you'll get it. Like, woe to those who pray on the street corners for the, sa- for the sake of people noticing that they're doing it uh, because they already got their reward. People noticed. Big whoop, right? Nobody thought anything of it, but they noticed. The real reward we're striving after is this holiness, is like, is heaven, right? And how much greater of a reward that is and how how little and insignificant a thing it is to just accept okay i'll do this a little bit differently because that's the way that you want me to do it right 
I've so, got yeah. one for you, Cody. Alrighty. We've hit, been trying to get Cody to watch A Man for All Seasons. Uh, <laughs> so maybe this will help. <laughs> maybe this will help. Uh, and I've brought this up. Uh, I have three notes that I made. I don't know if I'll get to all of them, but the first one is from Man for All Seasons. There is, it's about St. Thomas More, and he works in the courts, pretty high up there in England. And there's uh, a young man named Richard who just graduated from college, and he wants a job. So he keeps pestering Thomas, employ me, employ me, employ me. Finally, after some funny ado, uh, after some ado, Thomas says, I have a job for you. Be a teacher. You'd be a great teacher. And Richard says, and who would know it? Thomas tells him, you, your pupils, God. Not a bad audience, that. And so what are we doing these things? Is it for this recognition of like, I want to be this, I want to be the best saint and everyone's going to be like, whoa, look at how good Saint Cody is. <laughs> they will not. I should put myself, Saint <laughs> Um Or are we doing it to glorify God? Because Richard would be a great teacher and he would do some real good for children of God and God would appreciate it. But if he's seeking after the validation from other people, he's not doing it for the right reasons. My second thought is we have to do these small things with love in order to do the big things. It's like you're saying, those those people who donated a million dollars or whatever, these great grand acts, those aren't like the first nice things that they've done. They are I would be willing to bet, except I don't bet, so I believe <laughs> that they have a lifetime of all kinds of levels of generosity and acts done with great love. Think of it like a muscle. You don't just go like, I I'm saving all my energy to do that 300-pound bench press. No, you start <laughs> at the bar, 45 pounds, and then you work your way up, and you have to do these little ones in order to get there. So don't expect, like, I'm saving up or I'm just going to do those. You have to work at it. I've seen it similarly uh, with creativity. There's a community who talks about, like, how do you stay so creative and improv so much? Don't you run out of things? And he said, no, the more I do, the more I think of. And it's something like that that grows. It's the same with generosity, right? The more that you give, the more ways you realize you can give. And the more is given back to you as well, not just physically, but... Um, those are my thoughts. Yeah. You gonna watch Man for All Seasons now? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I thought I could get him on yeah. record. <laughs> we'll see. Um, the final thing that we had talked about was detachment from worldly things, and you know, a little practical for that. I think would be something that I found helpful was to just go through and think of everything that if I was asked to give it up. I'd be really upset about it. Um, or there was like a visceral reaction inside of me. You know, just like kind of running through the list of everything that I really like. And then if it came up that like I had to give it up. You can never if, eat country fried steak and eggs again. <laughs> yeah, see, that's the sort of thing. Like, <laughs> um, But even that, right? Like when you, when you say that, there's not kind of like this visceral like, oh my gosh, <laughs> I could never do that, right? Like if I had to, I could, 
It's my favorite thing, but if I had to, I could. There are things I think that hold more of a grip on us than other things do. And I think it's different for every person. The only example I can really think of, well, there are two, would be something like, for me, like video games versus alcohol or something like that, right? The more I play video games, the more I want to play. And the more kind of like, the more of a grip it takes on my imagination, the more like time and mental energy go into thinking about like, oh, what if I'd done this differently or what, you know, like, like thinking of strategy or thinking of you know, whatever it is for it. Whereas when I drink, I can kind of leave it behind. I can set it back. And I think, I think that is the proper amount of detachment to have. And the thing with the video games would not be right. Like if, if you can enjoy something and then when the enjoyment is done, stop thinking about it. I think that you're at a healthy level of, of detachment from that thing. Yeah, you don't have to not enjoy things yeah. or not have things that you like. Beca- yeah, because, again, sainthood is not super austere. It's not. It, it's a very joyful thing. And so to attain this perfection, we, we're, you're not looking at people who are like sad and mopey or like never had any fun or, you know, really stiff. I think it's just the opposite. I think they were some of the most joyful people because they knew how to enjoy things in a way that they were detached from it, right? That it didn't really mean anything to them. Whereas the thing with the video games for me, like that is an unhealthy level of attachment that I have for that thing, right? And so that's something that I have to actively work at. And, you know, how do you actively work at it? I, I think the at least from experience, what I found to be the best thing would be either to just leave it behind entirely. Uh, again, which is just like, you always come up with excuses for reasons why you shouldn't. And you, again, you know the things that you are a little bit too attached to without very much thought at all. It's just a matter of getting yourself to the point of, can I let go of that? Even if it doesn't make a whole lot of sense, just for the sake of opening up more of my heart and more mental energy to focus on the Lord. Which is where uh, I will plug Exodus 90. Very helpful for that exercise. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very hard, but very beautiful. Yeah. Um, Any final thoughts, I think, as we kind of come to the close of this? Yes. Um, there is a final thought. A couple. Of, I want to I keep it brief, though. Um, at the end of this, This was really meant to be an exhortation to help you realize, and me, that sainthood is possible, right? Because now that I've said it and have tried to exhort people on it, I I can't shy away from it, right? My life has to change in response to this having been recorded, if this is going to mean anything at all. Yeah, this isn't something that we have mastered. I hope it's not coming across as like, Look at us. We're on our path to sainthood and you guys should come along. Yeah. That that's not that we're we're trying and struggling and failing and getting up as best as we can. So these are we wanted to be leaning on people better than us and examples um that we can look to and hopefully this isn't coming across as in in some way arrogant. Yeah. Yeah. I hope it's not arrogant. I hope that I think maybe this has tended a, a little more towards like the practicals, right? Of Or like, you know, the the psychology behind why I wouldn't 
flipping that to be confident in it uh and then like practicals on how to do it but I, the reality is it at the heart of it the most important thing is uh that this is about relationship with jesus and we kind of brushed over prayer i had kind of brushed over prayer just saying that we're kind of assuming that you're doing it that that is literally the most critical piece because if, if you are not sainthood is about being transformed into the person of jesus christ so if you're not praying the, the transformation just can't happen how, how will you know what to be transformed into he is the reason for all of all of this right the 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 I want to make sure that that's clear as well. Um, and then the last thing is this, is we are all called to sainthood. That might not mean the title of it, right? Because even that we should be detached from. Even that title or thinking like, man, I'm going to be a saint one day, right? There could be kind of some like pride or, or some uh, desire for fame that slips in there. When I was living in Austria for a semester, we were staying at uh, an old Carthusian monastery, and their whole thing was, if you don't know, they keep silence for six days straight, and they're only allowed to talk on Sundays at meals and at the liturgy. No, I think they can talk outside of those times as well, but... Coincidentally, they're some of the fastest talkers. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, because it's all about humility. It's all about being, like, becoming transformed into the person of jesus christ you know they the cartels itself the building has been through a lot and uh so they were kind of doing some renovation on it cleanup and they were digging through around some of like the houses where the monks used to live and they found all these all these unmarked graves and they exhumed them they like pulled them up and were like oh this is crazy and they opened up the caskets all of them or the vast majority of them were incorruptible bodies. They were they were bodies that were preserved from decay and death, which is something that you hear about like very rarely happening with the saints, like Padre Pio, Catherine Labre, uh, Vincent de Paul. Like I, again, it happens, right? But it's not like this is happening to everybody. But it was for them, right? And the the person who who exhumed them went to the provincial of the order and was like, Oh my gosh, like we, we've got to mark, we've got to mark these graves. We've got to like, you know, run DNA tests and we've got to figure out who these people are. They're saints that like people have got to know about it. And the provincial said, uh, no, put them back. The graves were unmarked for a reason. These, these men were not in it to become famous, right? They were in it to become transformed in the person of Jesus Christ. They were in it to become holy. Right. And I think that's the mindset that we need to maintain is, even if I don't attain the title of saint, I am called to attain the holiness of a saint. So just, I guess, yeah, just maintaining that human, even in that as well. So, as a result of this, we're looking very forward to a world where uh, there are a lot more saints. You know, at the time, I think probably a lot of the saints felt maybe very similar to the way that we do, that this is just not going to be a reality for me. Um, Therese of Lisieux, even in The Story of a Soul, said that she looked at all the saints and saw the difference between them and herself as the difference between a mountain and a grain of sand. Um, and obviously, she's one of the holiest that ever lived. 
so in their time, these people didn't maybe didn't expect that they'd ever attain it, or maybe didn't ex- maybe face the same fears that we do that this is not for me. Or, but the reality is, is that like you are called to be like the saint for the next generation. Like your life is being called to be transformed in such a way that in future generations, people could look back on it and be like, that's how I get holy, right? Like that's that's the way to go about it. I guess that's... I think that's all we got. Yeah. So we finally got to the namesake of our tagline, Catholic podcast of which we're the worst, just like St. Paul. <laughs> Uh, Yeah, so thanks for listening to us. You'll hear us in the next one.